Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth, best-selling author and co-creator of PaleoParents.com, where we focus on real-life solutions for families seeking help. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of the PaleoMom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. And we're back. Look, I'm addressing you, listeners, once again. I'm so proud of myself. I'm like <laughs> patting myself on the head. Matt and I have this phrase where we kind of mock each other and the children when um, you're asking for praise of something that, like, that you're you should have been do. able to do for the first 250 <laughs> episodes, but it took you 250 episodes to be able to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm patting myself on the back because, you know, there's nothing wrong with being proud of yourself each and every time you do something you're proud of. So, um, hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm I'm fantastic. I do not mind at all when you say hello to the listeners first. I I think it's awesome. Well, it is kind of why we're here. I mean, <laughs> it's I could, true. I could call her text, but I mean, text is kind of how we mostly communicate to the world who needs to know two busy ladies that's kind of we have opposite schedules you work during the day I do this work at night so it's you know we could we could do that anytime but sometimes have the like the text like I always I'm kind of always surprised if I text you and I get a immediate reply I'm like (laughs) whoa look at this our schedule is aligned today we have like the three day long conversations because there's like nine hour breaks between the text reply yeah um no, I think, um, you know, it's one of the things that uh, we don't get to do. You know, we're uh, like, I'm in my pajamas. I don't know if you're in your pajamas, but I'm in my pajamas I am. in my dark office. I have no lights on because circadian rhythms. Um, <gasps> oh, that reminds me. Yeah. Okay. You can finish and then I'm going to tell you something. Okay. Um. I don't know. You already broke my train of thought. You I'm might as well get It's fine. So completely off topic. I purchased myself a pair of computer glasses for my birthday. Have you heard of Felix Grace? This is not sponsored, by the way. I paid for these glasses and you don't even know that I was bringing this up for you. Have you heard of them before? No. So they are specifically made to help reduce glare block blue light and you can even get them magnified if you want and they're made for people who stare at computers all day long and I have been using them for about two weeks now I swear by them when I'm looking at a computer and I don't have them on now I can feel the eye strain they are amazing and I would highly recommend that you look into them and they're also nice looking blue light (laughs) glasses for those who want they're not cheap um just just to warn you and I've tried to find them on Amazon and other sites, but um, I don't mind supporting a brand that's doing something great. Um, and so I bought myself a pair for um, my birthday and I've left them at work, but then I ordered myself two more pairs so that I could like have one in my purse and one at home. Like I just love them so much. So I have, I have a couple pairs of Swannies, um, which are sort of a, a, another 
brand of mm. uh, blue blocking glasses that are designed to not look dorky. Um, and I, I, I also do the same, like I have my one pair downstairs, my one pair upstairs, but that way I always have a pair for my suitcase as well. So it's like, um, yeah, I, you know, when I first started wearing, uh, melatonin glasses or, or amber tinted glasses. Like I was wearing like a $3 pair of safety glasses and switching to, um, these sort of, they're higher tech and they, they're much more selective in the wavelengths they cut out. And I find that it's weird because, because they don't, they're not prescription glasses, but they feel like putting prescription glasses on. Like I feel in the evenings, like I can see, if I look out, outside I can see much more clear clearly which I can't explain the physiology of why that's happening but um they're they're comfortable and and another also not sponsored at all by this podcast which has nothing to do with circadian rhythms at all you're just trying to avoid talking about poop aren't you I don't know what you're talking about (laughs) that doesn't make me weird and uncomfortable at all um you know, I feel like it's been a while since we've covered a topic that makes you feel uncomfortable. I'm literally rubbing my face right now. I, I so wish this was a video oh. podcast right now so that I could see you not making eye contact am, with me. I know. I just moved my face away from the screen and started rubbing <laughs> my face with my hand. Like, oh, gosh, what's what's coming next? You know, we actually have a whole collection of gut health related questions um, in our inbox to to get to uh, on the podcast. And um, one of the things that I wanted to do was was I was trying to look through them to pick pick topics that I felt like we maybe hadn't covered um, in detail on the on the podcast before, and I almost felt like there's like a whole new gut health series here. So I I picked one today to kind of start that ball rolling, um, maybe in a little bit different direction. But I think there's there's probably at least I mean I, I have a lot of questions, and I one of the things that we do on this show is we try to pick representative questions. So if we don't pick your question specifically, it's because we had three questions on the same topic and we picked the one that sort of covered the most bases um, or that said the nicest things about us. That's, that's also a definitely a factor. In, At in, least we're honest. Yeah. I mean, I can't help it. If you say nice things about me, I'm going to, I'm going to like your question. It's just human nature, I think. Um, so I, I felt like, I hadn't made you feel uncomfortable about talking about bowel movements for a while. Um, but also, you know, we, we really do have um, a large number of questions on this topic. And I think it's because um, because the topic is so taboo uh, to sort of talk about, you know, like I don't go pick up my kids at the bus stop and say to my neighbor, so how did your poop look today? Right. Like that's not something we talk about in in public. And so I think one of the things that happens with that is it it becomes a little bit more challenging to get information in terms of what's normal. Um, and when you don't know if what you're experiencing is normal, then it's really hard to determine whether or not you need to change something or talk to your doctor, right? It's It can be something that's really hard to talk about um, and and really challenging to find 
uh, useful information about. So we're we're going to try Stacy's embarrassment aside, um, try and, and tackle that a little bit today, and uh, we're, we're going to talk about uh, BMs. Is the title of the show "Everybody Poops"? Um, it could be. <laughs> uh, if, if I'm, 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 it's not taken for a podcast title, right? All right, I'm ready. Let's do this. All thing. right. So um, again, I'm going to apologize if I am mispronouncing this person's name incorrectly. Uh, I'm going to say Genia. Uh, Genia says, "How do you tell if you have an unhealthy gut?" What are the best things that I can start doing right now to start working on my gut health? I'm very new to paleo and there's a lot of information out there. Thank you for any info or tips. I'm also slowly catching up on listening to your podcast. What do you think are the best episodes for a newbie to listen to first? Not the first one with Mark Sisson is what I'm going to (laughs) say. Not that one. I hope that that just inspires everybody to go listen to it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, where I turned into a giggly high schooler. So many ways that was embarrassing. Um, I Do you want to answer the second part of that question first? For, like, anybody else who's maybe finding this podcast, who's kind of new to paleo, like, where where in the podcast would you direct them to as, as noobs? Sure. Um, so, I think um, if you do a search for um, gut recovery, I think um, especially... Uh, talking about how to heal after um, you've been exposed. Like, because if you're a newbie, then you have, quote unquote, been exposed. We talk a lot about kind of gut healing techniques and um, that kind of stuff on those podcasts. Matt can put a link in the show notes. Um, So I would suggest I really liked the shows that we did in particular with Stephanie Ruper and Denise Minger. I think that we go into some good kind of emotional approaches with making sure that you're um, approaching paleo from a healthy mindset um, and also kind of the history behind the whys of paleo with Denise Minger. Um, And then I would say definitely with Sarah and I, the Paleo 101 series, which ended up going into 102 and maybe more than that i yeah it was three four parts i don't know if it was like 101 102 201 202 like college style or i don't remember part one part two whatever um but there's those are definitely out there and we'll put the links in the show notes for you um yeah we've we've done a lot of podcasts that's 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 that's, I think, what we're trying to say right there. there there's a lot. Um, and they're not, they're, they're not all good, folks. And sometimes Sarah turns into a giggly high schooler and fangirls all over the guest. Um, <laughs> not just, always. I not feel always. like by the time Mark was on, what, the third time, it was totally fine. 
I think I was cool by the second time. Come on. <laughs> the first time, though, that, that he was our first, I think, like really like high profile guest. And this was before I'd had a chance to meet like other paleo bloggers and authors in person. So it was before I'd been to a conference like, um, you know, now I've I've you know, had meals with these people and long conversations and they're, they're actually real people to me now. But at that time they were like, oh my gosh, we're talking with Mark Sisson. So there you go. Um, so to get into, I think the first part of this question, which is how do you know if your gut is healthy. Um, I have a blog post called Five Gut Health Tests You Can Do at Home, and I'm going to sort of summarize the information in that. Um, this information is also coming in Paleo Principles, um, but we can put a link to this post in the show notes. Um, and what at-home gut health tests can do is basically give you a sense of whether or not I need to talk about this with a doctor. Um, and so the first, I think, place is a symptom checklist. Um, so if you have what could be called gastrointestinal symptoms, mild and occasional, that's not a big deal. But when they're persistent, if it's every day or every time you eat a certain food, um, these are things that can indicate that there's an underlying problem that's worth addressing. So this would include uh, things like gas, bloating, belching after meals. Um, it would include constipation, diarrhea, or alternating between the two. It would include indigestion, heartburn, bad breath can be included in here, um, pain or straining uh, while passing a, a, a bowel movement. Um, and then also, uh, you know, one of the things that I think can tell you a lot about gut health is, is looking at your stool. So for example, undigested food in your stool can indicate that there's an issue. Mucus in your stool can indicate that there's an issue. Blood in your stool, uh, if it's dark and it's clotted, get thee to a doctor. Um, if it's brightly colored, um, that typically comes from anal fissures. Um, that's not as serious a problem, but it still <laughs> indicates. see my face right now. I'm, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. I just said anal fissures for you. Deep <sighs> Poor Stacy. Um, I didn't make you say it though. Sorry. But, uh, that, that is still indicative of something that can be fixed. It's just not as serious a condition, um, or if there's copious amounts of, of blood, even if it's brightly colored, again, get thee to a doctor. Um, so symptoms, I think, is sort of the first thing. Like, do you feel something uh, gastrointestinal-wise that you notice, right? Like, healthy digestion just happens, right? You don't notice stomach aches. You don't notice bloating or, or, you know, flatulence. Those aren't things that you're, you're like, if you, if those things are not there, uh, you don't notice anything. So are you noticing things that maybe are embarrassing or causing you to have that 
idea at the back of your head going, hmm, something's not right here. Um, bowel movement frequency can tell you a lot about um, gut health. Uh, what is considered normal is a fairly wide range. Um, so uh, anywhere between three times a day to three times a week is generally considered perfectly normal. Um, although I would say three times per week is probably not great. It probably should be at least once a day. Um I know that uh, Dr. Jeff Leach, who is one of my heroes and somebody I would still fangirl over if I got to talk to him, um, he's one of the, the people behind the uh, Human Gut Project and the Human Food Project. Um, he has been quoted as saying um, that, you know, you should be going uh, several times a day and at least one of them should be a whopper. That's his language and I love it. Um, and do you understand? Like, okay. So here's the <laughs> thing is I a hundred percent agree. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. I feel great. It didn't used to be that way, but I can think back to the moments where I can identify with this. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what's wrong with me? But you know what? Here's the thing. I'm just, I'm going to just, for those of you who are having moments like me, here's what I tell myself is like, we are the only animals in the world that think that this natural body function is, you know, off-putting or embarrassing or whatever terms we want to use. Like I was thinking about the, this is completely aside. I was thinking about this the other day when I had this like really um, stressful situation and I had this huge rush of adrenaline and all this, like these hormone rushes. And it reminded me of, because as soon as things calmed down, I immediately needed to go to the bathroom. And it reminded me, I think we talked about it here on this podcast once before about how a zebra, when it's being chased by a lion or a tiger or whatever, like defecates itself while it's running. <laughs> it's an adrenaline response to get everything out and be ready. And so I'm like, okay, Stacy, like if that zebra can be running and being chased and just like poop while it's just running because that's what's going to save its life. Like you can handle talking about this right now. <laughs> so I'm sorry. You can. I'm just going to keep biting my fist and stop interrupting you <laughs> with my immaturity. Um, no, I, um, it's funny because like, as I know, I'm about to say a word that's going to embarrass you. Like I know it's coming at the end of this sentence and I have this like little bit of like seven-year-old boy glee inside me that goes, <laughs> I'm about to say a naughty poop word. And then I know, I know it's coming. And I just, again, I'm lamenting over the lack of, of video conversation right now because it would be epic. Um, so, so the, the next thing is, is really visual inspection. Um, so there's a, such a thing called the Bristol stool form scale. This is uh, what uh, medical professionals would use to evaluate stool quality. Um, and there's seven types. Uh, so um, type one is uh, hard. Um, it's, uh, you know, small. It's sort of described typically as like small, hard lumps like nuts and hard to pass. Uh, this would be extreme constipation. Um, type two is, <laughs> you're going to love this one, sausage shaped, but lumpy. 
Uh, this is also considered abnormal, considered constipation. Type 3 is also like a sausage, uh, but with cracks on the surface. This may or may not be normal. This is sort of borderline between ideal and, and constipation. So once in a while, not a big deal. Consistently, probably not a good thing. Type 4 is ideal. <laughs> this, is the, this is the description from medical textbooks, okay? Like a sausage or snake, smooth and soft. Poor Stacy. I'm totally fine. I'm t- I'm totally good. fine. Totally talking to keep scribing stools. Yep. All right. Type five. Um, it's also now we're getting into the borderline between ideal and diarrhea. Sometimes perfectly normal, consistently, maybe not a good thing. Soft blobs with clear cut edges that pass easily. Type six, fluffy pieces with ragged edges and very mushy. Uh, type seven, watery, no solid pieces, entirely liquid. So type six and type seven are diarrhea. Type type five is maybe a little bit softer than ideal, but probably okay. Type four is this ideal. So one of the things that you can do is just when you go to the bathroom, look in the toilet when you're done. That can tell you a whole lot about how your digestive health is. So you're looking at stool quality using the Bristol stool form scale. You're looking to see if there's undigested uh, particles in the stool. If you ate something really challenging to diagnose, right, the classic would be corn. I know that's not a paleo food, but that's a really good example that most people can relate to. Um, You're not going to worry about that. But if you're seeing like bits of carrot from the stew you had in your stool, like you didn't digest that and you really should have. So um, so looking for things that are if you're seeing particles of foods that that should have been digested, that should definitely be be setting off some alarm bells. Um, And then consistent floaters can also be an issue. Um, Now, there there's this sort of popular belief that floaters are caused by undigested fats that has been debunked in scientific studies. It's usually caused by excess gas, uh, which, you know, floaters once in a while is totally fine. Sort of the consistent floaters, especially when there's other GI symptoms present, that's a problem. Uh, It can also be caused by infections, um, by pancreatic diseases, gallbladder diseases, and some other health conditions. So that's why if it's consist- they're for consistently floaters, and especially if there's other GI symptoms, um, that's a good time to go see a doctor. Um, and then the last test that you can sort of do at home is called a transit time test. Um, and this will give you a sense of, of how long it takes, right? It's measuring how long it takes between when you eat the food and when the waste of that meal is eliminated. Um, And what you would typically do is um, eat something that's hard to digest, like corn. So so this test is is sometimes done with um, eating a cup of cooked corn kernels, which I would only recommend if you know for certain that corn is not a problematic food for you. You can also do it with sesame seeds. So you would take um, like a tablespoon of sesame seeds and mix it into a whole sesame seeds, mix it into a glass of water and swallow the seeds whole. Or you could also do it with a cup of uh, beets, either cooked or raw, um, shredded, and you eat just the beets. Like you eat just the sesame seeds, just the corn, just the beets. And you basically wait until you see um, sesame seeds or corn or the characteristic beet red stool in the toilet. And you look at how many hours that 
that is. Um, optimal transit time is considered to be between 12 and 48 hours, which is a pretty big spread. Uh, so faster than that indicates that things are moving through your digestive system too fast. You're probably not absorbing all of the nutrients from it. It can be an indicator of some kinds of uh, gut dysbiosis. Um, longer times indicate that things are moving really sluggishly. That can also indicate um, gut dysbiosis problems, particularly overgrowth. It can indicate insufficient uh, stomach acid, pancreatic enzymes, gallbladder function. Uh, so longer than 72 hours is definitely considered um, constipation. Even if your bowel movement frequency is normal, if your transit time is longer than 72 hours, that's considered constipation. Um, and that's definitely worth talking to a doctor. Now, what a doctor will do, they might do the like medical version of these tests. So like transit time, they'd have you swallow a dye um, or they might give you um, some kind of marker that would show up on an x-ray. Um, so they, they have the like fancy version of this test. Um, Bristol stool form is still a thing that they would do. Um, symptoms checklists are still things that they would do. They would still ask you questions, but they can do things like colonoscopies, um, hydrogen methane breath tests, um, uh, endoscopies. They can do uh, biopsies. They can do stool analysis and look at, uh, look for parasites or look for, um, you know, functional medicine or integrative medicine practitioner might do stool analysis and look for gut dysbiosis overgrowths. They might look, be looking for back small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or candida overgrowth. Um, and those are definitely things that uh, people tend to self-diagnose based on symptoms. You really need to do a test for those. Um, so, um, you know, they, they can do then there's, there's a quite an extensive collection of, of testing that can be done to sort of narrow in on what the issue is. But sometimes the issue is I need to change how I eat. Um, and I think it's worthwhile at least briefly answering the part of this question that is like, what are the things that I can start doing now to start working on my gut health? So let's assume no gut pathologies. So no things that require medical intervention. Um, so just a suboptimal gut health related to diet and lifestyle and not a thing that means you need a doctor's medical care. Um, so I know, I know this is now we're into better territory, right? Right, Stacey? I'm told I'm, I've been good. I'm, but yes, yeah. I'm comfortable here. Um, so, you know, the two factors from the scientific literature that have the strongest corrective influence on the type and numbers and, uh, variety of gut bacteria living in our digestive tracts is, uh, basically vegetable consumption, also fruit, but it's the fiber from fruit and vegetables and the type of fats that we eat, specifically omega-3 fats. So there's studies showing that um, ramping up vegetable consumption can correct uh, gut dysbiosis problems in as little as three days. You can also dramatically improve the type of bacteria growing in your gut by adding fish oil. There's studies, I mean, I would suggest actual fish, but there's studies use fish oil. Um, that takes 14 days. Um, but really to have healthy gut bacteria, they like us to eat a lot of vegetables and fruit, whole fruits and vegetables. So it's the, 
the specifically the type of fiber that's in that is very different from the type of fiber in grains because it has a lot more antioxidants in it. And antioxidants, just like they're sort of anti-inflammatory, anti-aging for us, they are for our gut bacteria as well. Um, so vegetables and fruit, um, studies are showing eight servings a day or more is is the target that we should all be be searching for. If you look at the USDA recommendations for fiber intake, it's 25 grams a day for women, 30 to 38 grams a day for men. Hunter-gatherers eat more like 50 to 200 grams of fiber a day. So um, the more fiber, the better, um, and a variety of fibers. So you're going to get fiber from um, – you're going to get a mix of insoluble and soluble fiber from any vegetable or fruit that you eat, but you're going to get more – insoluble from non-starchy vegetables and more soluble from starchy vegetables and fruit. So a mix is definitely the way to go. Um, And if you're having trouble, I think we talked about this just a few podcasts ago, if you're having trouble digesting that, going to cooked vegetables, soups, stews, also pureed like smoothies, that can can help with digestion. So vegetables, fruit, fats. Uh, So high omega-3s, um, the best way to get that is from just eating seafood, um, but also lower saturated fat. So uh, sticking in that you know hunter-gatherer range of 10 to 15 percent of total calories from saturated fat as a maximum, um, that will also help improve the gut bacteria. So we know that when your saturated fat intake creeps up too high. Um, we actually create an environment where undesirable strains of bacteria want to grow in our gut, and we also increase the amount of uh, endotoxin that gets into our bloodstream when we eat a lot of saturated fat. So as much as paleo is not scared of saturated fat, um, that does not mean eating sticks of butter for breakfast. Um, so those are the things from med- from you know scientific studies show are the cr- strongest corrective influences on gut bacteria. Um, eating fermented foods is also considered very beneficial just from a exposure to new strains so it can help with variety. So wild fermented uh, sauerkraut, for example, can have up to 680 some odd strains of um, probiotic organisms in it. Uh, an ideal gut would have between 500 and 1,000 different strains. So that's a great way to re-inoculate the gut, especially if you've ever been on antibiotics in your entire life, which most of us have. Um, So fermented foods. And then from a gut barrier perspective, out of the box, paleo is going to do great things in terms of getting rid of the most inflammatory compounds. Um, Bone broth, right? Glycine-rich foods can be very, very helpful. Coconut oil can be very, very helpful uh, for improving gut health. Um, And then doing what you can to to improve um, gut bacteria. Um, And there's some interesting nutrients. Did we talk about this recently? Nutrients that can help um, help the tight junction formation in the epithelial cells? Nutrients? No, I don't think so. Um, I think I maybe did this in a in a summit interview. Um, so there was a really interesting paper that I, I happened upon when I was researching for Paleo Principles that looked at um, some nutrients that actually help 
tight junction formation. So that's the one of the connections between the cells that, that form the uh, small intestinal wall. And so when that connection is loose, that is one way that we can have a leaky gut. Um, and so one of the compounds um, was uh, short-chain fatty acids, which are created from fermentation of fiber by gut bacteria. So that was one important link. Um, a few of them were um, uh, antioxidant phytochemicals. So like quercetin, which you would get from like apples and onion family, uh, berberine, which um, might be a little bit harder to get from fruits and vegetables. Um, but, you know, unless you live <laughs> live in the Pacific Northwest and you can eat Oregon grape. Um, and I can't remember what the other one was, um, but zinc was another really important one. And um, most of us are zinc deficient. So if you look at standard American diet, something like 73% of people are not ever getting the RDA of zinc. Um, so highest zinc foods are shellfish like oysters, especially the bivalves, oysters, mussels, clams. Uh, so then you hit the omega-3 whammy and the zinc whammy. Um, and glycine actually. So shellfish are also pretty high in glycine. So you hit, hit all the good, all the good nutrients for gut health. So those are some good places to start. So more seafood, more vegetables, more fermented food, maybe add some, some broth and a little bit of don't go crazy with the uh, coconut oil. And those are kind of like the, the, the starter, the, the starter gut health foods. I don't, know that I would call them starters for everybody. I think some people would think that, let's say, oysters, for example, were advanced, whereas you and me will go to a restaurant and eat five bajillion and love them. That's not everybody's mm -hmm. cup of tea. But I do think it's important for people to consider, first of all, how much these things all play in, but second of all, don't get overwhelmed by all of this. Like if you're new, there are so many things that we talk about here on the podcast that go into health overall. You can't possibly either learn it all or do it all immediately. Even us, we are constantly evolving and changing our lifestyle in order to optimize health. That's just the nature of living. I think if you're, you know, taking in the science and you're learning what your body's reactions are and, and all that kind of stuff, like it's just going to constantly change no matter what you do. But there are things to prioritize when it comes to optimizing your health. And I think Nutrient density is one of those things that we talked about. Gosh, I wish I knew which show it was, but I think it might have been when like Real Life Paleo was coming out or something like that, where one of the mm -hmm. things that um, we talked about was the prioritization of nutrient density is even more so than kind of removing some foods, like adding those nutrients into your diet can be more beneficial than even removing things like, let's say, gluten-free oats and rice, if you're talking about, you know... Um, most people, right? So not to say that those things aren't going to also help you, but in the scheme of how to prioritize your health, thinking about things from the perspective of, as I've tried to phrase it before, is this food helping my health? Is this food hurting my health? Or is this food neutral? And I think there is a neutral. There is this like gray area neutral food. And I would describe white rice as that for me, right? Like it's 
it's neither hurting me, like I don't have a bad reaction to it, but it's also not helping my health. It's kind of one of those like meh kind of foods. And I know for Sarah, she can do corn. I can't. Corn hurts my health, but it's neutral to her. So learning what those foods are and then trying to operate as much as you can in this environment of what foods help my health without eating the foods that hurt your health, or at least very, very minimally. And think of the, you know, 20% or whatever as that gray area. At least that's how I try to optimize. It's not to say that I'm perfect and I do that all the time, but it's certainly what I strive for. I mean, I, you know, recently told you that I did a Harry Potter weekend where I had butterbeer and ice cream. So, you know, like, was that helping my health? No, but it was enjoyable and it was an experience and I don't have guilt or regrets. It's just like, oh, this was not the best thing for me. And so this week I've prioritized vegetables, broth, collagen, and nutrient density in the foods that Sarah listed off to kind of reframe my health. So, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's, um, you know, I think what I tried to do was list um, the optimal diet from a gut health perspective. I think it's important to remember as you are just starting paleo that it is okay to take things in baby steps. If you are like the typical American and you eat one and a half servings of fresh fruits and vegetables a day, jumping up to eight is going to be uh, potentially pretty overwhelming. Um, so you can you can look at that as, well, how do I add a half serving every couple of days? Or how do I add a serving a week um, and slowly build up to that point? Where can, where can I, where can I add more fresh fruits and vegetables? And that can be, um, I, I think one of the sort of um, biggest bang for our bucks in terms of, of diet changes can be, can be just adding in more vegetables, but it's, um, it can be a real challenge for people depending on where they're starting from. Um, and yeah, I forget that not everyone likes oysters because <laughs> I've, I've always liked I mean, them. I know, so. I know, but like, I know some people they are don't a... even like Brussels sprouts to me. That sounds like blasphemy, but we have to remember <laughs> that not everybody starts at the same place, you know? That's so that's yeah. true. Yeah. I, it's easy for me. I've noticed I didn't say organ meat in any of that. Um, it's easy for me to remember that people don't like organ meat, but I forgot about oysters because they're, I mean, if she went back to the way, way beginning of our show, she would know that that was something that even you had to adjust. To. I, oh yes, I had a hard time with that. And now it's so, um, natural that I even like, sometimes I go, well, how many times this week have we had something with organ meat in it? Like I just throw it into everything. Um, but that, that was definitely a intentional uh, problem that I set out to solve in my family is, was how, how was I going to figure that out and get to a point where everybody would eat organ meat without uh, complaining. So, yeah. Um, I think that's a good um, place to, to at least start this discussion on gut health. Um, the, um, I think I, I would like to emphasize, we've, we've emphasized this before. Uh, while I think that finding friends who are not averse to discussing 
for, for example, gastrointestinal symptoms and stool quality with can be really, really wonderful. It is not appropriate to text or email or message uh, toilet pictures, pictures of your of your BMs <laughs> to anybody, uh, including us. Um, if you really feel like you need to show your BM to somebody, you may take a picture into your doctor's office. Um, and even then, your doctor may or may not want to see it. I think you should preface, I have a picture if you would like to see it and let your doctor make that determination. Um, but uh, so I do want to emphasize that as much as we need to sign, sort of break through some of the stigma associated with this, there are certain lines that the world is just not ready to cross. And that's definitely one of them. Especially me. <laughs> Please don't DM me or tag me, um, even to joke around. It just like, you know, ruins my day. Um so here's here's the thing that I would say to you, since our listener is new, and maybe we have some people who haven't, you know, heard this before, but it, my intestinal gut health was saved by friends who were willing to say to me after I used the restroom, I was, let me try to step back a little bit. I was sharing a house with a bunch of paleo bloggers for the very first paleo FX. And they all went out to do something, whatever it was. And I was using the restroom and nobody was in the house. So I didn't courtesy flush. And, you know, I was super stressed out from traveling. And at the time I did not have healthy gut health because I hadn't learned how to properly digest food without a gallbladder. And I was eating too much fat for what my body can digest and blah, 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 blah. So anyway, I had this everybody out type movement, which I had every day, which is not healthy. It is not how your friend describes his magical movements. And um, it was also really stinky, which I think is another indication that mm. things aren't going so great. Um, you know, I'm not just talking. I mean, obviously, it's nobody's going to smell like roses. But like, you know, sometimes when you eat something that doesn't agree with you, it's like, whoa, that was that was a doozy. Um, it was a doozy in the bathroom. And they all happened to come home when I was leaving the restroom. And this house that we were renting was, you know, it was obvious what had happened anyway. And they said to me, like, this, this doesn't smell healthy. This doesn't smell normal. What do you have going on? And we talked about it. And I explained how my movements were. And I did not show a picture, but we talked about it. And that's how I started looking more into and then worked with a practitioner to figure out exactly what was going on and how to resolve it. And for years, I took supplements and I worked on improving my my gut health and, you know, not having a gallbladder and also having been a vegetarian for so long and not having... um really good stomach acid from both of those things was causing a lot of digestive issues. And to look back on it now, I'm like, whoa, I can't believe how bad it was because now I don't take supplements and I know what I need to do to maintain good gut health and blah, blah, blah. So I would say that the emphasis that you gave about, you know, having people to, to talk to is really important because if someone hadn't mentioned to me that it was concerning like that's just kind of how I was living my life you know I yeah it's just that was that's how my movements have been what are you talking about like this is my normal um yeah well I had irritable bowel syndrome 
for most of my life. I wasn't diagnosed until my early 20s. And it was, it had to get so bad that I was in the ER with uh, sharp abdominal pain because I hadn't had a bowel movement in two weeks. Like I didn't have conversations with my family or my friends about bowel habits. I had no idea that I was chronically constipated for years until it hit crisis point. So I think that that's fairly, a fairly common experience, you know, no matter what, you know, community you're part of that we, we tend to normalize everything when it comes to bowel habits and not realize that there's, um, you know, changes that we can make, whether that's diet changes or supplements or, you know, going through some diagnostics to be able to actually solve those problems. Awesome. Well, I know that there was a lot that we um, threw out. Um, So hopefully, Janaya is comfortable and confident with picking up some of these things. Do not feel like you need to take them all on. And that goes for everybody. You know, make sure that when you're starting this, it's at a pace that can be sustainable for you. We never want to encourage everybody to do so much that they become overwhelmed and just quit. Um, So any little step that you make is progress and be proud of that. Um, And once you're comfortable with something, then, you know, add the next thing on your list to it when you're ready. But uh, I wish everybody the best of luck if you're, you know, starting over or starting fresh or whatever the case may be. Um, Thanks for tuning in and listening this week. We'll be back again next week, as always, perhaps with some uh, some science from Sarah about the stuff we talked about last week, maybe. Oh, really? I'm supposed to... I'm filming all week this week. Okay. I'm going to be, like, curling my hair. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities. I'm I, pretty sure... You're going to have to give me, like, another week after I... This this week is going to be this could be some some long long days. We can have patience. We can. Okay. It's worth it's worth waiting for. Uh, excellent. Thank you. We'll be <laughs> back next week with something light and fluffy. That's <laughs> not type six stool. Excellent. We I needed to drop the mic right I there for that one. Like, really? <laughs> okay. Oh man, it was worth a try. Well, we will definitely be back next week with some kind of topic. And Less awkward, and maybe. Maybe, with fewer silly jokes. And uh, in the meantime, uh, remember, if you enjoyed this episode, we love all of your reviews on iTunes, and it helps other people find the podcast. And uh, remember that you can support us by making purchases through the links on our websites. Um, that's one of the ways that we keep this podcast ad-free. Uh, although we did kind of have our little free plugs for products of the it's top of this it's because we're idiots and we don't reach out to these companies we should we should be clearly charging for that <laughs> um but anyways uh love your support listeners and we'll be back next week thank you for listening to the paleo view if you enjoyed the show please take a moment to rate us on itunes you can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through paypal And that awkward silence means the episode's over.
I like how you pronounced the questioner's name completely different from how I pronounced it. I knew somebody with that name, so oh, I pronounced it did, that way. Janaya? Yeah, she pronounced it Janaya. It was, she, I think she was like of uh, Scandinavian descent. Maybe we need like a phonetic pronunciation of your name box on the <laughs> form. I think that's taking things a bit too seriously. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.